Thank you for listening. Please share with anyone you think will benefit from this podcast. Hello, and welcome to Resilience in Life and Leadership. I am welcoming Debbie Cruz to the show. Debbie is a survivor of crushed dreams and an expert in dream rescue. If your dream is long buried seed or a squash bud, I'm here to help you replant it, nurture it, and bring it to full bloom. Her program is ideal for employers who want to make an investment in their employees by making them the most successful version of themselves. Employee morale will rise, productivity will increase, and turnover will decrease as a result of this dream pollination. Her program is a great fit for businesses of any size. After being dream crushed by corporate America, Debbie listened to the voice within that said, leave this place and start writing. She is the published author of Soul Meets Body, Precious and Fragile Things and Live to Tell. Her fourth novel, Date with Kate, is in process. All of her novels are about following your heart. And in in addition to novels, she has an inspirational blog and is a certified dream manager coach and business consultant. Welcome, Debbie. Hello, and welcome to Resilience in Life and Leadership. And I am here with Debbie Cruz. Say your say your full last name, Debbie. It's Krasuski. Krasuski. Okay, I can say that. Well, welcome. I am so glad that you're with us. And I love your story. I love I love um, I love what you said after being dream crushed by corporate America. So I want to hear. Um, about your journey and how that brought you uh, what you're doing now as a dream coach. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yes. Corporate America is one of the pieces of my dream crushing. Mm. Uh, I think we all have them in our life and we don't realize how many people tell you, no, you can't do that. No, 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 no. This is what you do. So I, I wasn't really supposed to go into corporate America at all. I had switched colleges right before I even started uh, for some family reasons. Uh, I was supposed to be a ballerina in a dance company at a different college. They had their own dance company. I was supposed to dance for them. And then my dream was to uh, do a second degree in business management because I wanted to own my own. Yes. Studio. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, So I, Ended up going closer to home and just majoring in business and became a ballet teacher for a short period of time where I strongly learned that I, that is not my calling. <laughs> <laughs> Being around kids all, all, all for hours at a time was just yes. not, my, not my thing. I like to dance. I don't like to tell people how to dance. <laughs> so that, that worked out really well. That's great. My daughter is actually a dancer, so oh. I can totally relate. Oh, yes. Okay. Beautiful. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I just followed the the path, you know, I went to business school. So the school I went to was pretty small. You were either in business school or you're liberal arts. Most of those people became right. school teachers, which was clearly not my thing. Um, everybody mostly became an accountant. IT was becoming a new hot field. Then I didn't really understand what that was, but I feel, felt like if I went into just operations management, that answered a lot of questions. So, um, I got into a job and it, it was, it was fun. It was exciting. It was a financial printing, which sounds, 
sounds like one of those jobs that nobody knows what it is because it is one of those jobs that nobody knows what it is. I'm still explaining to this day. It's like a million years later. <laughs> like, what, what did you do there? Oh, don't worry. It's a lot. So it was just a crazy job. It was 24 seven. It was doing live wow. filings with the securities and exchange commissions for companies going public, bankrupt, anything in between. And it just was not fulfilling. I mean, it, it was fun and glamorous when I started, but it, it very slowly lost its luster. Yeah, yeah. And I just, to not get into so much detail, I just felt like never it right. It never felt right to me. Mm. Um, either it wasn't a good fit or I'd get to the next level of management and it was horrible. And then I just kept convincing myself, well, oh, because you don't know it yet and you're going to work really hard and it's going to be great. And then you're going to get to the next level. And that's where the dream is. That's where it's going to be better. And so I kept climbing until I made it to a C-level position. And as I was there, I was like, I don't care how much money this is. I don't, I don't care about the title. I don't care. This is the worst job in the world. I don't want it. This is horrible. It wasn't being hard of having to make the decisions. It was sad of the choices of what the decisions were. And they were just not, it was, had nothing to do with my value or my brand. And I was, I I was lost. I was completely lost. And I spent a lot of time in, in prayer and meditation. And I just asked, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? And the voice replied to me, you need to start writing. And why don't you leave this job and start writing and I will do the rest. Wow. So, you know, Hey, I'm done here. That went over well. And (laughs) and, that was it. How you just gave me notice? It was a little bit bit further over process, but it was the hugest weight lifted off of me. Mm -hmm. And then of course you're following your dream and everybody around you you know, thinks there's something wrong with you. Why are you crazy? Why would you do something like that? That, You know, so there's a whole psychological piece to it of, do I listen to what's my heart is telling me, which I believe is my center and that's from God, or do I listen to all you around me telling me not to do this? And then you realize the pattern was your whole life of all the, you know, and, and I'm not sitting here pointing a finger at, I I specifically want to say, it's not that people were being mean to me and how dare you, they just don't, they can't see what's in my heart as if, as I can't see what's in yours, because I don't, you know, unless I have a deep conversation and get it in deep there, no, nobody, nobody will ever really a hundred percent know, but you. Well, and I think there's societal expectations that are set up that that we are supposed to quote unquote follow. And if we're not following those, you know, if you're in a C level job, you should be thrilled. If you're making the money that you're supposed, you know, this is all societal expectations that aren't really what we need to, you know, and especially, you know, you're obviously a believer. And so when you're talking about, you know, what God's will is for you and what the world's <laughs> wanting you to do they they can be two very different things. Yeah. Money can't buy you anything that the joy and abundance will, will give you from right. what, what is in your heart. And 
you know, you're taught, we're taught like it's money. You have to have money. You have to have material things. Right. And they don't give you anything. Um, I saw a post yesterday of a a multifamily house that, that burned down to the ground, you know, and, and it's horrible. And, and somebody just posted something like, Oh, all their stuff. And how, you know, I know this, these, these people just bought this new couch. Like they're alive. Yeah. That's all right. Like the couch does it. Who cares about you serious? You're focused on this couch. These people are alive. And how quickly when you lose something like, like your, all your material things, what really your value is, you know, you don't need anything. You just Mm -hmm. need the love that's in your heart. Um, and it's just, if everything starts to fall into place, once you realize that, but it's as, it's sad and amazing how many people don't that think that money is their answer. And you you cannot take it with you. I mean, that's the biggest cliche, but it it is so true. You, no one lies on their deathbed and says, gosh, I wish I would have just made more money or I wish I would have worked a little harder. Nobody does that. Yeah. I, I know a neighbor of mine was one of the first people to win a million dollars in the lottery. Oh my goodness. And it's the, it's the cliche story of he wins the lottery. He dies. Oh my gosh. You're kidding. Yeah. And, and before that, you know, all the ugliness of the family and the greed and, you know, just the man died and it was supposed to be this glamorous thing that he won the lottery. Like, Oh, this is going to answer all my problems. It, it did, you know, it didn't keep him alive. It, It separated his family you know, it's, it was so sad. It was so Mm. sad. Um, And it's, it really, a little part of me kind of scared me to be, get it so fast, you know, get it, you know, it's, it's, it was over. I mean, to us as kids, that was like a million dollars. I don't even know how to count that high. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, How many zeros is that? But you know, that was huge a thing, but at the same time, you can't bring it with you, which brings me to, uh, uh, one of the jokes that Joel Osteen says, and you know, this woman, her, her husband was a gazillionaire and, you know, he dies and, you know, he said in my will, I want to bring all my money with you. (laughs) So, you know, this, uh, the relatives are like, Oh, you really didn't bury the money with him. Did you? She's like, Oh no, I kept my promises. I wrote him a check. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, That's great. Yeah. So you got to kind of put it in perspective of what you really can do. That's awesome. It. Yep, exactly. Probably won't get cashed, but yes, exactly. <laughs> That's great. Yes. Yeah. So now from the time, so, so you, um, decided to, to write. And that's what, did you have an idea of what you wanted to write or was there something already on your heart? Was it just, I'm just going to write. It was, it was a very divine voice that came to me to said, write, And, um, I just started writing and I was writing stupid love stories that were really, like, really like cringeworthy. Like this is really embarrassing. <laughs> like this isn't even good enough for like a lifetime commercial. It's just not, not even. 
So I was like, I need some focus here. And I hired an editor that really put me in a good mindset and how to go about writing an outline. She's like, you're writing. It's not the worst. It just, you have no direction of where this is really going. So she's like, write an outline and you don't have to follow it. It'll probably take its own direction. But as long as you're trying to get from point A to point B to point C, you'll, you'll see how the story evolves. But if you're, if you're not aiming that way, you're just like going off in the dark. And it was a smart idea. And, and it never actually followed the straight through all the outlines that I ever wrote. But I, when I tell you, it was just pouring out of me at that point where I'm sitting there going, my fingers are hitting the keys, but I don't really know that I'm here. Wow. I know that it's flowing out of me and things were connecting. And even today when people read it, they're like, oh, I love how this piece was connected mm. to this. And, I, and I'm like, me too. <laughs> That's great. That's yeah. really cool. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. totally planned that. You know, it's some things I didn't even recognize, which is fun. It, it's yeah, great yeah. You know, to see it through other people's eyes. Um, so it was, it was an exciting process and definitely very rewarding of emotions and feelings that came out under different people, uh, characters. So under right. different skin, under different circumstances. And of course, when someone close to you reads it, they're like, I know exactly what that represents. Um, but to most people, they, you know, they would have no idea because it's too completely, you know, torn yeah. apart from, you know, it's just like a piece of something that really happened because you have to have something to relate to. Um, but, you know, you think about even if it's somebody that recognizes oh, that happened in real life, but it didn't happen this way. And it didn't happen right. to these characters. And, you know, you have one person that's like, but what if people know it's me? I'm like, okay, we're, this is going to be a bestseller. So how many thousands of people are going to read this? <laughs> how many people actually know you? Right, exactly. <laughs> so, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then you have the people that, you know, see a little glimpse of themselves and they're like, when, when is my debut on Oprah? I mean, there is no debut for you on Oprah. I don't even think she has a show anymore. I'm like, relax. <laughs> so. Oh, funny. That is great. I love it. So, so then did you go from writing to working with businesses or how did that develop? Well, I had some cushion room to write and I didn't, I wanted to really stay in what my truth was and I didn't know what it looked like. And I did get, I did let all the voices get to me. of like, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you yeah. going to do? And, you know, the scare factor of when those are the voices that are constantly at you, you, your, your voices are kind of reacting as well. So I did go through a dark period of, well, I don't know, and I'm supposed to know, right? But then I, I didn't see that I was being flipped back into the fear factor, yeah. backed into being sucked into a life sucking job. And then it just set me backwards, just doing smaller jobs, just because I was like, oh my gosh, well, I have to do something and not taking the time to really focus on what my life purpose was and what was in my heart. I real I lost it because I didn't realize that that was part of the path. Um, and then I decided to, okay, well, this was fun. Let's go back to corporate America. And 
I, nobody really wanted it just, it was just, I was get a job and they'd be like, Oh my gosh, we didn't get the budget for it. Or there was just always a ridiculous wall mm-hmm. of why the position all of a sudden disappeared or, Oh my gosh, we found somebody else that's a little bit more fit for this job. It was very like closed door, closed yeah, door, closed, yeah. door, closed door, very confusing and frustrating. But the answer was, is you're not doing the right thing. You're not listening. Uh, I end up uh, a friend of mine. We we sat down and had a meeting, and he had just started a non for profit with a with a few others, and somebody that was going to be really putting it all together and be the operational piece of it. Um, they ended up breaking ties, so they asked me if I would come in and help, and I did, and I decided to dedicate myself to that for a significant amount of time and then COVID came and you know every all of that was lost and then the other business ventures I was I was working on that were pretty big they they were lost as well so I got again dream (laughs) dream crushed (laughs) um and that was that was difficult so I decided to focus on well I'm sick of living in the the trenches and in the dark and in these bad places, the only way I can look is up. Mm -hmm. So what if I just turn around and just turn everything every day when I can't wake up out of bed, you know, just make sure that I go and post all these positive things, make sure I just tell people in the supermarket how great they look or just anything I could do to be as much as positive as I can during the day. So that when I go to bed at night, I have things to be grateful for, which I always, you always have something to be grateful for, but I couldn't see it. And then I would dream, I would dream good. I would have good, positive dreams. And then I would want to wake up because I'd want to get something accomplished that was very fulfilling. So I worked on that cycle and then that started to happen. And I realized I was leading from my heart and I, I, and I was able doing this see what was in my heart and realize what my true potential was and what my life purpose was. And as I got there, I was able to see in other people, their light. And my light was shining so bright that people were coming to me of, well, I may not know you. I may not know your story, but I can see your light. And I know you could see mine. And I don't, obviously that's not exactly the conversation, Mm -hmm. but people that were broken were coming to me and asking for help, Hmm. asking, how do I get out of this place? And I wasn't so direct with my story or sharing everything with everybody, but it was the energy that I'm putting out there of, okay, my light is shining now. People can see it. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I could help people. So I wanted to focus on my life purpose is to help people shine their light And that comes from their heart that comes from within that is given to them by God. And I just want to stay there and focus on that. And I saw that all my books were leading from a place of in the heart, the trusting what is in your heart, what it's about. Life is wild and crazy, but look at how you're watched over. Look at how you're protected and how you're loved. Look at how things can happen for you when you think that it's impossible. And my blog, I was trying to do the same thing. And the consulting work that I was doing, people just couldn't under understand how I could do all these things. And I had a few other business ventures as well. 
And I just became confusing. So I was like, I'm just going to stick with the theme of follow what's in your heart. And I, and I looked in deep of, you know, how to really promote that and how to share that with people. And I looked in deep of to what my name it, it means and what it's about. And I fell into this several times of knowing it. But for some reason, I went to look at it. And my name in the Bible is really Devorah. And it is the bee seeker. So the bee is known as defies all laws. It's it's impossible to fly. It's impossible of what it does. And it does impossible things and it makes things succeed. Mm. So it makes sure that all of nature is succeeding and growing and giving people positivity if they see it or not. So I look at it as the bee is the honey of life and it brings out energies in people and it brings out the light in people and the good and the positivity in people. And it helps people on their journey get to their life and soul purpose. Okay. okay. So I, you know, that's how I, my program came about of the dream pollinating because we're, we're all pollinating our dreams, right? So we're going to start with dream storming because we have to go through a storm to get to where our dreams are. So yeah. you know, throwing all our dreams to the wall, looking at them and seeing what they're about and, you know, this is the rain of like, oh, I don't know, this doesn't work. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, bungee jumping sounded great when I was 20. Yeah. <laughs> it never you know. sounded good to me. Nope. <laughs> but after the storm, yeah. there's a rainbow right. and there's sunshine. So it all starts with, you know, following all the seasons because the pollinating all follows within the seasons. Hmm. So that's, you know, just where I'm at of, you know, I got crushed and I use all those that all of that energy to turn around of all the crushing, I was told all the no's, yeah. all the you can'ts, all of that. And I turned it around to, I can rescue all of those dreams. They may not look the same. They may not feel the same, but if they were in your heart at one point, they're always recalculated into something new and something else. So I just want to help people get there and mm. see their true potential and their true light. Cause sometimes you'll have a, a dream and you know, it, I, I was told once and, and, you know, that sometimes that we have a vision or a plan and sometimes that vision has to die in order for God to put forth the one that he wants in our hearts. And, um, and then other times like you begin something and somebody else then can take it over. And so how do you determine how, or how do you help people determine like, nope, this is your time to move towards this. This is your time to move away from this or, or things like that. Or do you, do you just coach them to make those decisions on their own? Well, I think that God is always talking to us. He's always sending us signs and symbols and redirecting us if we ever go in the wrong way. So if there is a dream that you're, you, you can feel like, oh, this has been in my heart for so long. And then you get a taste of it and not know, not decide that, oh my gosh, this was not for me. This isn't it. Mm -hmm. You were given that dream for a reason. You were given that dream to get on that path because that path opened up so many windows, avenues for you that you may not have noticed or seen. You might, it might not be real for you. 
So that's why I make sure no matter what somebody says to me to not dream crush it because people dream crush themselves enough. They don't need somebody else. If it's there and it's your dream, it's there for a reason. It might recalculate. It might keep recalculating because God's just going to be like, okay, she didn't see that. That's okay. That's okay. We're going to, we're going to try again. Mm -hmm. We're going to try again. You know, it's, it's following the crumbs in the road and you can't always see it. Right. So I believe that if you get somewhere and you're like, I don't want this here, you can have it. If it was you, if it, that was the path you take you on, that was the path it was supposed to take you to. And if it was to give somebody else, it was to give somebody else. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you helped start somebody's dream. And there's that means somebody has started your dream and it's just part of your journey. There's more than one. You're given hundreds and hundreds of dreams. You just have to tap into the ones that feel right for you. And it's 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 a total journey. journey. It's a total journey because you're you could be I was. I believed in my heart when I was young that I was going to be a doctor. Mm. Now, if you ever saw me around blood, <laughs> you'd be like, are you sure, sure about that? Really? And I was like, yeah, that sounds kind of ridiculous. And I yeah. shut that down. I completely Funny. shut that down. But I healthcare found me. Mm-hmm. I had healthcare companies coming to me like, oh, we need you. I'm like, I, I have no idea in the world why anybody in a healthcare company would hire me. And I spent time there. I spent time with doctors. I spent time in clinical trials. I spent time in understanding hospitals and how they work. And it didn't make any sense to me until I got here. And I realized I only saw helping people find what's in their heart as healing and finding their center. But all I could see and relate to with what was in my head was somebody in a doctor's jacket. Yeah, right. right. So I just automatically decided it was a doctor. Hmm. So it could just have the wrong label on it. Right, right. And not realize what it is. So you have to just keep starting going down, start to go down these avenues to to find it. And you have to unturn every rock. Sure. So tell me a little bit about your work with small businesses and, um, you know, specifically like what can small businesses, um, I know you work with restaurants, things like that. What can they do to actually, um, help them financially save money, things like that? Yeah. So, I mean, I do have a very strong business background. I've been in operations for over 25 years. Uh, I work with a restaurant group. And a lot of the offerings that that group has also can be applied at small businesses. Um, So I have this vast network of people that I trust. We work very hard in what are things that we can do as a group to focus on the restaurant industry. And it can be small business as well of how the industry is changing. So for a huge piece of it, especially now is customer service. Yes. So, you know, during COVID, the whole world changed. Restaurants, (laughs) the whole model changed. And then when, you know, the government checks stopped, there were people that wanted to go back to work. There was a lot of people that didn't want to work. And the people that were sort of low end were still making more money than they would have made at their job. Mm -hmm. And they chose to not work. So that in problem with getting employees was very difficult. 
So then there's becomes this model of, you know, you can be on a restaurant on both sides of the street, kind of similar. And this guy's like, well, I'm going to give you a minimum wage of this much an hour where this guy's giving this much an hour. So like $10 an hour. And then this guy's giving $30 an hour. Right, right. And then, you know, then the, that greed starts and then you're starting all these levels of ridiculousness that can't be kept up. And it, it just doesn't match the industry. So restaurants were going under because they can't keep up with the demands. They can't get the employees, which they could, but that's, you know, where to look for them. And, and then there's, they're losing their value. They're losing their core value of what they are. They are service change where customers decide that they're in charge and they become overly demanding. And, you know, it, the customer is always right is kind of taken to a new level of like, no, you, you're not always right. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a, there's too much taking advantage. So there's certain aspects that we go through. You had asked about finances. I mean, right now, that is such a hot topic for small businesses, for restaurants of a lot of people for the past two years didn't have income and have people that they have to pay and really need to stay alive and had to reinvent themselves. There are so many options that can have that can you can work on as either a small business or a restaurant if it's a loan if it's um, getting an advance to pay employees uh, before you're, if you can't make your payroll, there's, there's options for that. There's options for refinancing. There's a lot that I've learned through this whole process for, for myself and my own business. I've made plenty of mistakes that I can help coach people to avoid that. But I also have reliable sources that I work with that I can say, Listen, I talk to this person once a week and you know, we go through all, all scenarios of things. It's not my choice to make it, but here's right. this person, this person, and this person, here's three phone numbers for you to call and they'll give you their honest opinion. And if they can't help you, they'll give you other people that can help you. Yeah. And, you know, I do have a love and affinity for restaurants. So that's how I got into this group. And there's a lot more options that I can do Mo- more for restaurants in that aspect, but for small businesses, um, I've done so much analytical work and reorganization and redevelopment and SOPs that helping a small business is my core. So yeah. 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 And to just bring a positive aspect. And I also do programs just to work on that customer service side of making sure that your value is matching your service because that is big all around. Right. So what do you, do you see a huge difference between your dream coaching and um, your business consulting or do they kind of meld at some point? Well, I have to at one point come and be one brand and not 75 different things. So if I am a dream manager, pollinator, I'm always going to bring that energy and aspect to everything I do. So all that really means is to bring as much positivity to everything and bring a good attitude and bring my honesty to what I can do because it just makes the process that much easier. And just to give all those helpful hints of little things of that can make things better. It's not the same thing, but I'm bringing the same attitude of excitement and 
positive energy yeah. and into all my analytical work and just be as honest as possible. And I do have an amazing amount of resources that I always feel makes helps the process when I say, oh my gosh, you need to get all this. You have to redo all your finances or you have to reorganize this side of the office or you need help with your customer service. I at least have a couple of, of references in each aspect that I could say, you know, if you can go out on your own, this is just my suggestion, but I do have references that I can help you with. And right. you know, this is stuff that they can do, but it, you're not tied to anything. You know, it, right. it's just very helpful to be like, oh gosh, you have people because once you give somebody, Hey, this is what your business should look like to be productive. Good luck with that it's kind of a waste of their time because they're yeah. like, I came here for help and assistance. Don't just throw me back out there. Right. You know, you really want, I want to handheld hold people not to, 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 yes, to teach them how to fish and not to do it for them, yeah. but make sure that they feel comforted because a lot of times making hard decisions, especially financial decisions really can grow this level of anxiety yeah. that can make you make more poor decisions. And I think that that's the hugest aspect of having somebody that is your support system through making these major changes that they don't, you don't really get. Well, and I think that's, you know, when you're talking about dream crushing, you're talking about, okay, this is what I thought I wanted to do. And now um, I, I feel like I'm called to do that. There's got to be a lot of, I mean, there really could be a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear with that. So how do you overcome that? If, if, you know, you're dealing with that, um, you know, definitely you want a support system, but how do you really overcome that, that fear and anxiety? You, you have to recognize what's ego. Mm you know, who are the people that are really for you, who are against you? Um, who do you really trust? And those sometimes are really hard because you want to be like, oh, well, I totally trust my spouse, but you know, they're always talking down to me or they don't believe in me, even though they say they do, they're standing next to me. Right. It doesn't mean get rid of that person. It means that's not the person in this situation I should be leaning on. And once you identify your network and, you know, know, okay, well, I have a really good friend from college that I know no matter what I can always call and just run ideas by, and there's no judgment and I need that voice. So you need a few of those voices that yeah. are just always going to recenter you, get you back. I'm always going to go and say, say your prayers, say your mantra, because that's always centering yourself. You know, it's, it sounds sometimes a little ridiculous to take time out of your day when you're having this, when you're in that anxiety, when someone says, just take a moment to pray, you know, mm -hmm. you, you might want to like go and smack them. But when you, <laughs> I, I mean, I do mm -hmm. <laughs> like, really, <laughs> you know, but once you make it a practice of, I'm going to succeed, I'm going to be successful at what I do. I am doing the right thing. I'm making the right decisions. Just those simple things right. bring you down. There's also plenty of exercises that you can do, especially if you're in a conversation and 
you kind of get starstruck by the question or that, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid to give you the right answer because it scares me Yeah. where, you know, you could do, there's tapping, you know, it's, there's also yeah. like just centering in some breathing or just focusing on three things like, okay, there's three things that I could see. There's a blue wall. There's a star. There's yeah. a white whiteboard. Okay. What can I smell? And, and just sort of ground yourself. Um, there's a lot that you can do in the day to ease your anxiety and recognize that cycle. Of when does it start? It starts when things are starting to go really well right. and it's scary, but you also notice the cycle of you're getting yourself to a higher level that makes you happy. That makes you fulfilled and your old self is here and it is you're in that transition of, well, I'm going here and your old self is afraid of new yeah. self because it's so afraid of what is to come and it knows that you're leaving. And so that also brings you down. And when you can recognize that anxiety voice just come up when there's no reason for it anymore. Right, right. It's like it's time to say goodbye to old me and it's time to invite new me in. And then that's when you really see the progress. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you need some breaks from the, from the dream crushers. And I'm not saying break up with anybody. I'm just saying, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to give your voice power. Yeah. I'm going to give the positive voices power. And these are my three people that are going to help me through this season. It's not always the same in every season. Right. Right. But they're hard to identify and that anxiety can keep you in that, that hamster wheel yeah. of, I can't get out. I just can't get out. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, very good stuff. I love that. Um, so where can people find you, Debbie? Yes. So you can find me on all social media at Debbie Cruz, which is D-E-B-B-Y-K-R-U-S-Z. My website is the same, DebbieCruz.com. Um, I would also love to offer to your listeners a free download of my latest awesome. novel, Soul Meets Body. And welcome any, if anybody would like to talk, I'm very open. You could book on my homepage, on my website, debbiecruz.com, a consultation to talk about some dreams. Fabulous. Well, I will make sure all of those are in the podcast notes. That is very generous of you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Okay. Final question. What does resilience mean to you? Ooh, what does resilience mean? I think it for me, I sort of look at myself of, all right, there's that, that dog that sees that electric fence and some dogs could sit there and be like, all right, I'm staying here. You watch that one dog be like, all right, I'm doing it. Yep, I had a couple <laughs> of those. <laughs> I am not afraid. Let me bring it on. So <laughs> That is great. I love that. I actually had two dogs. They were labs. And I think one of them always said, Hey, check and see if that will shock you really quick. Go check that first. And then the other one would go, <laughs> okay, we got that. But yeah, that I love that. That's good because yeah, you've got to keep going, right? Got to keep, keep moving forward. Got to know so when good. to hold them and know when to fold them. That's right. <laughs> Well, Debbie, thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure talking to you. I, I love the work that you're doing. And um, 
I love that you are so available for people to find you and that you took what was just a really difficult time and you are using that to, to help and benefit others. So thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to Resilience in Life and Leadership. And we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Please share with anyone you think will benefit from this podcast.